1: Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. And today we are broadcasting from Phoenix, Arizona. We are here on business and want to thank our hosts here in Phoenix for allowing us to do the show today. Uh, We have a great show to you for you today, although it may not be as great as the show tonight, Game 7 of the World Series. Go Dodgers! But uh, I think we'll try our best. And we have author Susan Chef, and she is the author of Shame Nation, which a book just came out in October. And it's to getting quite a bit of critical acclaim and even includes a, a forward by Monica Lewinsky, who actually herself has become an advocate um, for victims of online shaming. So, um, Sue, are you with us?
2: Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Um, so, you, part of the, your book is also your, your story. And I guess so that might, probably is the best way to start, really, is you know, kind of what led you to write this book.
2: Right. Well, a very small, just the intro. My second book, you know, Google Bomb, was the whole journey of my story. But, um, and we just open up a little bit about it and why I'm so passionate about online shaming and, and cyberbullying and how it can literally take you take you down, you know, your business, your financial uh Future, your career, everything. Back in two thousand three, I had a stalker. I had a disgruntled client that literally took to her keyba- keypad, be- keyboard, and keypad because people believe that you know it's a legal lethal weapon to destroy people. And um, back in two thousand three, you know the internet was still in its infancy, and people actually didn't even use anonymouses back then because they thought they were legally allowed to you know, freedom of speech, so to speak. So I was able to sue her. And I won a landmark case back then for internet defamation in 2006 um, of an $11.3 million jury verdict for internet defamation and invasion of privacy. No, it wasn't collectible, everyone out there. So it's not like a lotto ticket. But what I soon realized is, although Lady Justice cleared my name, the internet never forgets. So it took, you know, many, many months to clean up the internet. And I actually employed the very first ORM, online reputation management company, back in 2006. Reputation Defender had opened up its doors. They were the, the pioneer of right. reputation management back then. So I'm really passionate about this. Um, and there was no social media back in 2006, if you remember. No Twitter, no Facebook. Well, Facebook may have been for college kids only. But there, there was nothing out there. So it was about building websites, building blogs, building your brand, Um, and it was a nightmare, I have to be honest with you, you have to remember, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression, your first impression today is your internet one, and people out there don't take the time to decipher cyber fact from cyber fiction, and when, when my clients, or potential clients, went out there to Google for an educational consultant, the first thing they saw was everything that this woman posted about me, and it's the same thing if you're a journalist, or if you're a doctor, lawyer, landscaper, they're just going to move on to the next person and your right. history, and so that's how we open up with Shame Nation. Is a little bit of my background and why I am so passionate, and and like Monica Lewinsky, she was seeing all the the people that were young people, like the Tyler Clementes, like the Amanda Todd's, like the Hannah right. Smiths, like the uh, young people that were taking their Megan lives. Meyer, they, they yeah. were, Megan Meyer, yeah. Megan Meyer, is that we're living in this dark darkness of online hate. Uh, and they, they didn't feel there was a way out myself in my, my young forties at the time when this happened to me, Monica in her, I guess she was in her thirties at the time. We at least knew eventually it was going to get better as a young adult. we we knew eventually there, that light at the end of the tunnel wasn't going to be an oncoming train. These young kids, Don't have the maturity level to know that, so they end their life. So I think that's why, between Monica, between myself, we were able to step up and speak out. And that's what my book is all about. And that's why, you know, I when I went to Monica, I was so thrilled that she agreed to write the foreword to such an important book, and and she agreed. And that's she's not she didn't only write the foreword; she's in chapter seven because she felt it was such an important book. Her story is in chapter
1: seven. And if you think about it. Imagine what would have happened to Monica had social media existed in 1990s, what was it, 8? 98,
2: nine? yeah. Well, you know, she was the very first person to be crucified globally online. It just that we didn't have a word for it back then. Cyberbullying right. wasn't a word. Yeah, yeah. She was, like she said, patient zero. And it would even still today. She's not someone that can just go fill out a job application. She's that well known. That name no, is that that's true. Well I mean, known. obviously, yeah, yeah. She
1: was thrust into world history from that moment, and you know, right. all the consequences that followed. You know, because of you know both people's actions and um, well, multiple people's actions. And it's just interesting though, because if she had, if there was Twitter and Facebook, it would just been only that much worse.
2: It would have been magnified by a million. Could you imagine? Yeah. Right,
1: right. And you know, as awful as it is, at least she, she was spared that. Now, um, right. So your book it, it just released in October, and it's very timely, um, mm-hmm. given all that's going on. And you know, one thing I noticed in your blog post is you also address the you know, the state of affairs now with with our president, and <laughs> and to what extent does is he um, promoting online hate? or online harassment. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, the president is a father figure you know, or mother figure, if it had the, had the election, been different, but, um, and they do set a tone. You know, if a president, I, I honestly think, you know, I, you noticed under the Clinton administration, you know, tolerance towards gays increased. And, you know, if a president sets an intolerant tone, you know, I think that can increase as well. And so the the, the tone a president sets, whether it's, you know, in whatever area it is, and in this case, obviously, it's, you know, shaming people or insulting people online. Uh, I think it sets an example that others follow.
2: Right. And and I think, you know, I think he's setting an extremely poor example. And I think the word you're you're looking for is role model. And yes. I think he's, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just an extremely poor role model. And it's at the point. Now, this is in my opinion, because I don't want you slammed with all types of, and me too, as a matter of fact, um, because, you know, half the country is in support of him. And I'm not saying I'm in support or not in support. We're talking about social media behavior at this point. And and this is where parents have to step up and, and say to their kids, you know, out of respect, he is the leader of our land. However, He's making very poor digital decisions, and in our in, in this household, if you want to use your media, your social, your smartphone, we don't make decisions like this online because we use our our devices respectfully and response response responsibly. I mean, that's that's like what I would tell my granddaughter because I my my kids are 30 and 32, so I'm now dealing with a 10-year-old granddaughter that I just purchased her her first cell phone with. And when she she doesn't go on social media, no, but she does text and use different uh, places on her cell phone. But I would say to her, if she's reading what the president is, you know, typing out there on Twitter, whether it's in the news or it's in a newspaper or whatever, we just say, you know what, in this, in our family, we don't treat others like that. This is, it's not appropriate. In my opinion, it's not appropriate behavior. And I think it is up to parents and up to grandparents to point that out. Just because a person of authority is acting like this or uh, posting like this doesn't mean it's correct. And in Shame Nation, we have some really great examples of even college professors that went out there and, and tweeted some really dumb digital posts and that landed them in hot water that got them suspended from jobs. Some people that, you know, that got fired from jobs, district attorneys that got fired for stupid posts. We just saw the the 10 Harvard students last spring that, that had their accept acceptances revoked. So this is what we have to explain to our kids. Just because you're intelligent doesn't mean you're going to make dumb decisions. Right. And I, I personally, would explain to the kids that just because you're smart doesn't mean you're not making stupid decisions in digital, in the digital land. And you have to remember he's in a position of power and really in our, in my opinion, I would say, you know, I think in my opinion, it's almost like a digital abuse of power. (laughs) I mean, I, I just think it's in my opinion, it's, it's shameful abuse of power. I would never go out there and call people the names that he's calling people. You know, I, I think. And then on the same respect, I also blame the adults that perpetrate the hate. Because what you're, you're looking at, yes, we have our leader of the land calling people names like, oh, she's bleeding from the face or, or other.
1: Or horrific wherever, language. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right.
2: But then you have the people that come back and just throw the mud right back at him. And I don't think that's appropriate either, to be honest with you. I mean, we have to contain ourselves and show our kids that we can rise above this. Because again, hate only perpetrates hate.
1: True, as Marvin Gaye once noted. Um, so, yeah, okay. so I, I, I'll look for it, whether in the second edition there's a chapter called Kofi. But um, you, you <laughs> mentioned. You, you mentioned uh, the examples that are in your book, and, and some of them are quite, you know, instructive. For example, the school teacher who pub, you know put—I forget—was Facebook or Twitter—a uh, post about Michelle Obama being gorilla, and all these people said, "Do we want this person teaching our kids?" And you know, she was, and she got in trouble. Um, the even the the person who worked at some fast food restaurant. And just did some oh, goofy man. thing. You know, we're putting, you know, blowing snots on sandwiches. <laughs> you know, sorry right. for those who are eating lunch while they listen to this. Um, but you know, and they lost their job, and then, and shockingly, you know, they couldn't find a job in the fast food industry after that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, they, and
2: yeah. the bottom, yeah.
1: And no, what I'm about just saying people cooking, have to understand the yeah. consequences.
2: Right. Well, well, the fact of the matter is, we also have to remember something else. We have 92% of Americans today armed with smartphones. I use the word armed with smartphones. We're not afford the luxury anymore of oops moments without risking them going viral. So in other words, hypothetically, if you're sitting at a restaurant and you're having a fight with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever, someone around the corner could be videotaping you. And you might be using some really bad curse words or or whatever. And the next thing you know, it goes viral. I mean, if you recall Mm -hmm. that incident just a couple months ago with, I think her name, I I guess we shouldn't even use names, but she was a, a CBS reporter or something like that. And she got fired for what she did outside of a comedy club on her spare, on her off time, as a matter of fact. So we really have to be conscious of not only our online behavior but our offline behavior too because everywhere we go we're a click away from digital disgrace
1: that's that's, where we've
2: come to today
1: that's what you're saying is a speculation that your book highlights that example of a couple that had a that broke up on a a plane
2: yes that's right Uh, and it was hashtag plane breakup and What's interesting in our book is I took the other side of it. If you read, I don't know, I think you did read the book, but um, it opens with that story. Um, And and I'll name it Kelly Keegan. And she, it was a big news about a year ago. She videotaped this couple that were breaking up on the plane. They were stuck on the tarmac and Kelly had a couple of options. Um, She was watching this this couple break up sitting on the other side of the aisle and she could have pulled out her earbuds and listened to some music or maybe pull out a magazine and read a magazine. But you know what? She chose option C and that was to videotape them. And then from videotaping them, she decided to tweet out the conversation on Twitter. And soon it became hashtag plain breakup. And this couple's news was all over Twitter to go viral. No different than the Justine Seiko, you know, going to Africa Right. Um, did but you know that
1: whole? I hope that
2: I, hope whole I don't Twitter get thing. AIDS. Yeah. Hope I don't get AIDS. Now, when we interviewed Kelly Keegan about this plane breakup incident, it was really interesting because you know I went in. We went into this interview, um, and I say we because Melissa Shore, who I who um, co-wrote the book with me, because she did all the interviews. She's a phenomenal interviewer um, for the Boston, the Boston Globe. Boston Globe.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, she's really great, and she interviewed Kelly Keegan. She came back to me and she says, you know. You have to listen to Kelly, because Kelly says, you know, if people are going to sit on a in a public area on a public plane, and they had a few drinks, and, the, and they're getting loud, why do you air your dirty laundry out in public? And, you know, I got to thinking, and, you know, Kelly had no problem opening up. You know, we contacted, she goes, sure, I'll talk to you. I mean, she wasn't trying to hide anything, and she says, you know, this couple should have taking their business privately and you know, she's right. And that's when I really started thinking all of us need to really pause whether we're in public or we're on, on our digital devices, because there's absolutely no more privacy in this world anymore.
1: And and it's just that simple. There's there's also a word that you use in your book. I think that's important and one that (laughs) isn't in great supply these days. And that's empathy.
2: Uh, this was
1: this was a very painful yes. moment for that woman. And this this was and not that, a commodity to increase your Twitter followers.
2: It you know what? And that's where like when I spoke with Ross Ellis, the founder of Stomp Out Bullying, and she she said that exact same thing. She goes, I absolutely disagree with you, Sue. She goes, Kelly should have tapped the woman on the shoulder and said, Listen, can I help you? Do you want to switch seats with me? So, yeah, so there's the other side. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right.
1: I mean, you know, know, this is a free country. I mean, TMZ has a right to exist, and that's fine. But in terms of how how I look at that situation, I see that as someone exploiting someone else's, you know, saddest moment in in a way that I'm sure if it happened to her, she wouldn't want that happening.
2: You know, interestingly, the couple never came forward. We don't know their name. Kelly doesn't know their name. Um, what was worse, though, for all that is the repercussions that happened to Kelly, too. You know, she got shamed. They started coming after her and, and talking about her grandmother's funeral and, and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, she got she got shamed back, too. So, I think everybody got her off after that incident and when we asked her if she would do it again she said that she would do all but do the posting on on, on twitter you know with the images but she would videotape some of it I mean so uh, you know does she have a remorse I you know a little bit sound, not a lot huh? yeah I,
1: I didn't I mean I from the book it didn't sound out like she did um, that's yeah why was, a little bit not, of, not too much I, I didn't think yeah. she got it
2: No, uh, not, not, not like, not the, not the empathetic part. Like you, like, no, not as much as, you know, I personally would never videotape anybody because I'm like you, I would never want it to happen to me. And that's the way I look at things is I think about what if, and not only that I've had this happen to me before. So I'm very conscious of it. I'm very conscious of it. I always think of, how would I feel if I was that person walking in the shoes? And, you know, because of this happened to me too, I always do take the time to find out is that cyber fact or cyber fiction? You know, and, you know, the statistics today are one in five people out there leave false reviews of products or samples, products or services that they've never even used. People lie. So we have to take that all into consideration today. The fact of the matter is Google is not God as much as people Think that the internet is the you know is the encyclopedia right. of life. It's not.
1: Well, Anybody what, can
2: write anything they want out there.
1: One thing about this show, though, is that on this show our sponsors are our gods. So we're going to take oh, a brief okay. moment to give them uh, give them a word. Um, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Cyberlon Business Report only on Webmaster Radio FM.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. WebmasterRadio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Learn more on WPEngine.com. You have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. Webmasterradio.fm. Because not everyone's last name is Gates. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel to gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on Webmasterradio.fm.
1: We're talking with Sue Sheff, and one review of her book, Shame Nation, says that it is engaging, sharp, and important. Shame Nation will inspire you to open your eyes and be better in society's growing cyber culture. That's Teresa Patton, the CEO of Fortless Solutions and Deputy Director of Intelligence on CBS's Hunter. Now, we were talking about shaming Sue, and... What is your reaction to some of the shaming that happened in response to the Charlottesville uh, protests and attack where the you know the, the white supremacists who were chanting blood and soil and had their tiki torches um, were then people were trying to identify them and out them for you know for being part of this this hate culture.
2: When, when they had the wrong, when they identified they, they the wrong get. people, is that what you're talking about?
1: Well, some of them they got right. There's like that student at the University of Nevada. Um, but yeah, sometimes they do get it wrong.
2: Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think any, any type of shaming, shaming is, is wrong, but we also in the book talk about when there's shaming for good. I mean, there's different, different types of shaming. Um, when it came to that whole, the whole, um, shaming in Charlottesville, they were, they were, went out there. I want to, how do I want to put this? They went out there with good intentions, but what happened was uh, obviously, as we saw, it ended up hurting and harming other people, innocent people. When it initially went out there, when they initially went out there trying to saying they were going out there with good reason and good cause. And unfortunately it ended up hurting these innocent people. And it started taking down, I think, didn't it, I'm trying to think of what I'm thinking of the professor that you're talking with.
1: Oh no, I'm I'm talking talking about about? the, the, the neo-Nazi protests that in Charlottesville where there were people, you know, using the Nazi chant, blood and toil, blood and soil. And, um, you know, and no, and some anti-Semitic chants that they're escaping at the moment, and 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 they were carrying tiki torches, and so they were brightly lit at night, and so people had pictures of them, and people were saying, "Help us identify who they are." And one of the most prominent, yeah, but
2: they were, one, yeah, they were misidentifying people, though, weren't they?
1: I think there may have been one or two that were, but there were others that weren't. Um, they they actually did accurately identify.
2: Okay, see, I thought they were misidentifying it. Then I I, I lost.
1: There was, I, don't, I, don't I think recall. there was like some, and and the poor guy, I think, was away on vacation or something. And right, right. Come, yeah, yeah, he and comes he came back. And there was like some professor at some, you know, sleep. Yeah, like college. English professor yes. at some sleepy Southern college. And he's like, no, that's not me.
2: But not only wasn't it, It looked. it looked a lot like him. But not only that, they started attacking his family. Right. And his extended family. Um, listen, this is where shaming becomes very dangerous because you have to be you have to be so careful when it comes to shaming. Shaming, shaming really cuts you to the core. Shaming says to the person, "I am a bad." It's not. I believe I'm bad. It is. I am bad. Guilt is when I believe I'm bad. Shame is I am bad, and it hit, hurts you to the core. And I just believe that this type of what happened in Charlottesville was just evil. I mean, it's pure evil. And then what you're doing is you're projecting it onto innocent people, especially when they were misidentifying them. See, that's what I just recall that whole part of it. it is, that's the main focus that well, I Yeah, that. From, of, yeah, that,
1: from personal yeah. shaming, there the, were victims. You
2: know, the and the, absolute it, victims. Innocent victims, yes. Innocent victims that, and the, the ripple down of, impact onto innocent people, even to the family members, because what they did is they, they got the address and then they looked up where he worked and then they went to extended family members. And it was just, it was horrifying. Again, just horrifying.
1: Now, today is the first annual blockout day. Block it out day. Yes. Block it out. I'm sorry. Can you tell us what that, about that, how that, what you know about that and how it came about? Yeah.
2: The national block it out day is being started by stomp out bullying and really it's about positivity. What they want you to do is start going out and every take out all the negativity out of your social streams. When you start seeing people that are either bullying or or making cruel and, and degrading comments towards other people or even towards yourself, they want you to go into, and what's really cool what Stomp Out Bullying did is they have a whole page. If you go to stompoutbullying.org um, under events, and then it's a page into that, they have a page that gives you instructions on, for both For all four, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter, on how to use the features. A lot of people, everyone talks about blocking out the bully or blocking out negativity, but no one actually knows how to do it. Well, Stop Out Bullying has taken it a step further, and they're giving you instructions on how to literally use your block block features on all of these social media platforms. But what they're encouraging you to do is tell your friends to step up and empower yourselves to take out all this negativity. When you start seeing, like when we see the leader of the land pumping out all this negativity, let's get rid of it. We don't even need to read it instead of perpetrating it, liking it, or even retweeting it. And this is what really I don't want, I hate to say it angers me. Like when I, he, even when I hear about it, I just want to, let's take it out of our news streams. Let's take it out of our news feeds. So what block it out means, let's get rid of it or let's, let's put some positivity out there instead. And let's encourage our friends to do the same thing. And I think it's great what Stomp Out Bullying is doing with that. And it's founded by Ross Ellis, who happens to be a really good friend of mine.
1: Now, we had earlier this year, it was in June, we had Mich- Michelle Ferrier, who's the founder of Trollbusters, which is, is somewhat of oh, a nascent yes. organization, mm-hmm. and, and what they do is um, they they work with, they defend women journalists and yes. in, in a positive way. So, they don't confront or engage the troll, but what they do is provide affirmation of that person. So if they're the like, trolls Yeah. Yeah, they're they like come the heart, to the defense. The
2: heart mobbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: they come to the defense and say this is, you know, this is a respected journalist, this is whatever. And um, mm-hmm. you know it's, it's getting high praise for you know for its efforts. It's, and, and hopefully it can they're be expanded. Wonderful. Yeah. And I think Well you know, they uh,
2: are we yeah, we have them in our book, Trollbusters, and but with with that you don't to take this a step further, people should visit the heart mobbers in H E A R T Mob M O B E B E R S heart mobbers. And it's the same, the same exact thing, but only for the average person like you and I. You don't have to be a journalist. And they will come to your defense. You write to them, you email them, and say, Hey, I'm being bullied, I'm being trolled, I'm being harassed, and heart mobbers would do the same thing. They will just Fill your streams with love and positivity, cyber hugs. Um, and we interviewed we interviewed someone in our book that went to Heart Mothers, and we outlined exactly how they helped them out. So it's a really it's a great it's a great organization started by Emily May and it's just like Troll Busters and, and Troll Busters does great work for the journalists out there
1: now i'm glad you pointed out especially since you know me having a new england accent i probably would have butchered that name but (laughs) as may have your co-author may have as well but um now one issue that came up was in the news recently was there was basically a kind of boycott of twitter for a day by a lot of women um yeah There are, I mean, we've had some journalists on who talked about, you know, her battling trolls online and Twitter's kind of inconsistent application of its terms and conditions. You know, when does it, sometimes a death threat is a, gets a suspension, sometimes it doesn't. And um, Mm. I don't know what's your view on that or whatever you think the social media platforms need to do more to protect its users.
2: Well, I mean, you're talking about the Me Too campaign.
1: Not the Me Too campaign, but right around that same time, um, there was a. I think it was the Friday right around this whole time. This whole Harvey Weinstein thing was, was taking off. Um, there was this a day where women were disengaging from Twitter to just yes. protest the, their their harassment online.
2: Yes, that was well. That was. In conjunction with the, it was in conjunction with the, um, me too campaign. Yes. They, where it, the women go dark or they didn't go online. Right. Yes. 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 Um, and your question is how, what well,
1: do well, I well, feel well, about yeah, that? Well, well, yeah. What do you feel about, or what else you know, do you think, or, or do you think, you know, the first, social media platforms first, do more to protect their users?
2: First of all, They've come a long way from where we were 10 years ago. I have to look at where we were 10 years ago when I was being harassed and I, what was happening to me when there was nothing out there. to, to really, Well, first of all, there wasn't really a lot of social media. Slowly but surely, there, we're, we're seeing like there was never even block and mute up until a year ago, right, on Twitter. It's, it's not moving fast enough, that's for sure. I, I see at least Facebook is where you can at least – you know, report these abusers. I'm not saying it's enough. And I know people out there are complaining. Um, when all the women went dark that one day, I decided, and I know there's a lot of other women, I did post. I was one of the people that did post and so did other women out there. Um, I don't know. Yes, they can do more, but can't we always do more in, in every and every avenue out there, um, I'm just happy that i we see small steps coming forward. Um, and it's the same thing with internet law. Um, as you know, slowly but surely, we're getting it we're we're moving, we're moving ahead. Is it fast enough? No. But at right. the end of the day, in my opinion, it's never going to be fast enough because it always comes back to money. Unless you have enough money to hire a lawyer and file a civil suit, even when the laws are changing, it's going to come back to, can you afford the attorney? Right? Largely. If you think about it. Yeah. So, I mean, we want the laws to be in our favor. And I think, you know, these, I think, Twitter is trying. I mean, I think they're all trying. And I also think that when you're a celebrity or or when you're a public figure, you get more attention than the average person, you know. And I also think that people, when they're being harmed online, and I'm not telling everyone, oh, you have to sign off. I think a lot of times, sometimes you do need to take a digital detox and step away from it for a while. I mean, and just take a break from it for a while. Don't keep reading it and looking at it. And I'm not telling you that you should never be scared off from the internet. But once in a while, you do need to step away from it. You have to keep reporting it and save all your evidence and document everything. Um, they're never going to move fast enough for me when it comes to, um, you know, catching up with the laws and and sure. and, and reporting online harassment. Because uh, I have... I have definitely used block and mute i think everybody's using block and mute but it seems like every time they move three feet forward people are like all right well well, then when are they going to do this and i just feel like they're never going to be able to catch catch a break do you do you understand what i'm saying
1: yes that's i I mean i i I don't think we're giving them enough credit they they are trying they're making progress yeah At the same time so is so are the people they're trying to stop
2: Right, right. So I mean, I think we have to stop and say, Hey, okay, thank you for this. And, and let's not criticize. I mean, I, I yes, we can still always criticize. But at the end of the day, and it's, and I, I don't even want to use this as an analogy, like these gun laws. I mean, I don't own a gun. I don't have a gun. And it's kind of like people say, let's just get rid of all the guns. I work with with parents of troubled teens of drug drug kids that use drugs and, and parents have always said we just have to outlaw the drugs the fact of the matter is if your child wants to use a drug they're going to get that drug no matter what I don't care if you outlaw every drug in the country and it's the same thing with these trolls they're going to find a way around the system so we're going to slowly but surely I think Twitter is trying, Facebook has been really trying, everybody's trying out there. I don't think anyone intentionally wants trolling going on their platform. I just, I don't see that they intentionally want it. Let's just remember this. This is a human behavior. Trolling and cyberbullying is a human behavior. It's a human disaster. It's up to us, you and I to take accountability for our own behavior and ask our friends to start being nicer to each other. As a matter of fact, the uh, recent civility in America uh, survey says the same thing. 66% of Americans out there have asked their friends to start being kinder to each other online. So, I mean, it's happening. And that's, that's what we have to realize. This is not a technical thing, a digital thing. This is a human disaster,
1: right? A cultural disaster. Now, one cultural thing, I, human, I, right. one thing I give you credit for in the book that you do is you explain the importance of knowing what is out there. And I, I've been doing these cases for a decade, and, and one of the first cases I had involved a woman who never went online, and so the stuff that was about her had been on there for over, you know, six to nine months. And and even worse, she had a unique name, so that Barely a full page of results came up, and you know two thirds of it were this type of stuff, and and so understanding what's out there, you know, basically your reputation, you're in a battle for page one and maybe page two of Google, and if you don't even know what's on there, you know, you're very likely you could be losing the battle significantly without without even knowing it.
2: Right. Oh, you have to you have to maintain. I mean I, I preach that all the time. You have to maintain your online reputation because without that online reputation, unless you're just, you know, independently wealthy and you don't need a job, you don't need a career, and you're not online dating. Uh, not that you have to be online dating, but you're not dating that someone's gonna be Googling you for any such reason. It's funny because we just we just did this uh pitch for a segment or something for my, my publicist did. 40, what is it? 40 million Americans out there when they're online dating, the number one tip they tell you to always Google the person you're about to go out with. I mean, are you going to pass the Google rent cycle? It's just that simple. I mean, everyone is going to be put through that Google rent cycle. And it's not only for online dating, it's, it's careers. I mean, the fact of the matter is 70% of employers out there will Google you before they even, have you in for an interview. And it's the same thing on hiring me and hiring you lawyers get Googled every single day. Mm -hmm. And you just said second page of Google. People don't go past the first page of Google. Um, I think it's, uh, reputation defender actually did the surveyor that said 90 to 95% of the people don't go past page one of Google. It's, it's just that simple. Um, so that's that's where we're at. And then if you if you like your friend there that's not on that uh, that you said or a client whoever it was that's not online with the unique name, and right. I have a friend the same a same friend like that, and she never did anything online. She had a different name too. Fifty percent of 57 percent of employers in my book, it says 41 percent because that was the survey from Career Builders two years ago. And then just this summer, a new survey came out from Career Builders. Fifty seven percent of employers out there will not hire you if they cannot find you online. So and they said even a spotty finding a spotty background of you online is better than finding nothing because they think, do you have an alias? What do you have to hide? Or maybe you're not that tech savvy. So, I mean, that's pretty significant. And I know my friend, um, she had, it took her up to like nine, 10 months to get a job. She was in the same job for over 20 years. She was married. Then she got divorced. Her, the company she worked for closed down. She was 50 something years old with no digital landscape, none. And she couldn't get a job. And she was really good at what she did. But you know what? She had no, nothing online. No, And that, I know that's what it was. Not even a LinkedIn profile. You have to have oh. something. You have to have something today.
1: Well, one thing you also have to have is sponsors if you're a radio show. And we're going to take a short <laughs> break and listen to some of ours after these messages. You're listening to mm-hmm. Cyberlaw and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm.
0: Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana... You can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at MPP.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. All of your favorite WebmasterRadio.FM programs on air and on demand 24-7. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Add some podcasts to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
1: And we're back, and we're we're talking with Sue Chef. Um, just before we do, just a, a quick update. Um, Next week, we'll be having Eric Goldman, and he'll be talking about the legislation dealing with um, SESTA, which is trying to deal with the sex trafficking websites. In addition, I will be at the um, California Bar IP Section, um, IP Institute in Newport Beach on Thursday and Friday. Uh, and uh, last thing for information on today's show and about Sue's background. As always, check out our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. So Sue, um, you're taking you basically you're, you almost sound like a cyber Rodney King. Can't we all get <laughs> along? And <laughs> but you you do give people um, you know some some useful tools about how they can handle it. And also I, I like that you a lot of the people that I've dealt with in in my career. Uh, I like that you, you recognize, you know, Ari Ezra Waldman, um, you know, Daniel Citron. You know, I'm glad you, you gave them the, the credit they deserve in the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative. Um, some great organizations. But um, in the time we have left, what what do you think is the most important takeaway from this book?
2: Well, number one is it's packed with resources. You know, there's a lot of books out there on the market, but what, what Shame Nation has done is I've not only provided the stories of cyber blunders, they're, first- they're firsthand stories. So you provide the surviving, the preventing, and overcoming. You know, there's so many people out there that are struggling. So what do you do, like, if you if you have been a victim of shame, if you have been someone that has just feel like are you're at your wits end and you're you're never going to overcome this. You're never going to be able to walk away from it. There's people like myself. There's people like Monica. There's people like maybe someone down the road from you. And you feel like, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to overcome this? Because the fact of the matter is the whole world wide web has read about me becoming this con artist or this crook or right. you know, I place kids in risky programs by reading shame nation you you, re, you realize that you know what you can overcome this but you're not only only overcome this you you're going to come out of this more powerful more empower empowering to redefine yourself you learn skills to build up your social media how to what I how I put like engage in almost a healthier way a healthier way educate your your readers on social media on social media to humanize yourself. The the programs, I should say, what are we the resources that we have in there are not only by people that have been victimized online, but you learn that what they went through has empowered them, the same way it's going to empower you to come out of this on a better on a better leg, so to speak. And that's what I really loved about Shame Nation is I realized By the time we were done, which we interviewed over 25 contributors and experts from around the globe, by the way. You see there's people from Australia, from Canada, from, from the U.S. Everybody had a story. But what was best about these stories is everyone was really victimized in some way. But you know what? They all came out on top, whether they developed or created an organization that's helping others, or whether they're doing so much better. And you know what? All these people really thought that the world was over when this cyber blunder, this cyber disaster right. happened to them. Or you have uh, Anne Marie, who was a victim of revenge porn in the worst way. I mean, she was another college professor where her boyfriend sold their their um, their intimate photos on eBay. I mean, these are stories that you, you read and you think, oh, my God, I thought my stuff was bad until I read this. And this is what I really like. Again, you're here in shame nation is these are first-hand stories. And and a lot of them aren't, you didn't hear in the, in the TV or radio. We, we found privately, like, did you hear about the Harvard professor? What about all these professors? I don't know if you read the book. It was like smart people making dumb decisions. And that's why when you talk about the leader of the land, again, smart people making dumb decisions. And that's why you're going to feel like, wow, I'm not so stupid after all. But you know what? You're also going to learn that the Internet is public and it's permanent. The Internet was not built for privacy, everybody. So anything you put online stays online. There is no rewind online. And you have to think about that. And as you know, as an attorney, everything you put put out there can come back as an exhibit. And that's the main po- part of the book, too.
1: There's no it's more int-
2: privacy anymore.
1: It's interesting. I've, and I've commented this before as part of my Catholic school upbringing. But yeah, you know, we were always in, intimidated by the nuns that you know this will go on your permanent record, and the, there was this ominous thing. You had this like visual image of this big black book that someone who knows held, you know, the Department of Permanent Records, whatever. But somehow that terrified you, and and then here we are every day creating our very public permanent record.
2: But the, but it's so true. I'm, I'm Catholic too, but it's absolutely so true. But this. This is what you need to think. Whatever you're putting out there on your device, it's almost nearly impossible to take back. It's just nearly impossible to take back. And I encourage every parent out there that has a teenager, because, you know, sexting is the new flirting. And even if you're an adult or a young person and you feel like it's okay, you know, I trust this person, think twice about that. Just think twice because – You know what? Relationships don't last that long, but that image will. And, and, you know, revenge is so easy. It's just that simple.
1: And 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 posts come
2: back to haunt you. You know that. Those posts can come back to haunt you.
1: Yeah. uh, And so I guess that's, you do teach a lot of examples of being smart, being aware, understanding that stuff is going to get out there.
2: Well, the, the, what's nice about Shame Nation, too, is this is not a deep, I mean, we have a lot of research and statistics in there, which is great, but studies have shown over and over, and I know when I go out and speak, I, I do this a lot. I share the firsthand stories, including my own, because studies have shown that, People want to hear the first-hand stories. They're going to remember the stories. It's just the statistics they don't even care about. I mean, I can sit here and I can rattle off statistics to you, and maybe scientists care about statistics. But when you hear like the Danny Mathers case, everyone remembers that poor seventy-year-old. That that her vis her vision in the locker room went, you know, viral right. and Snapchat. People remember those stories. It's the stories that you remember. That's why these stories are in the book. And then you're going to get all these tips because I have a whole chapter on digital wisdom is digital survival. So we give you all these tips. And what what's great about it is the people that shared their stories, we've actually put their voices in the tips too. So we're all here helping everyone else so that what happened to them, what happened to me is not going to happen to you.
1: And, and so are you on a book tour right now?
2: We're, 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 I'm going to start probably in January, but through the holidays, we're just doing like media and, um, okay. we're doing media and press and radio right now. And then I'm just starting to line up all the, um, speaking engagements after January. So let if us anyone know your, wants that.
1: Yeah. Let us know your hmm? schedule. We'll post it on the blog with the show notes.
2: I will. I'll email you. I have your email.
1: Right. And um, and so we only have a, a few minutes left. Wait, what do you want to leave people with in terms of the book?
2: In terms of the book, well, they can you can purchase the book anywhere. It's in all Barnes & Noble stores right now, and it's also on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble, um, Books a Million. It's also on audio. Uh, what else do they need to know? You can go to shamenationbook.com, and... They can follow me on Twitter at Sue Chef. That wonderful name. <laughs>
1: Is there a wine yeah. you recommend that accompanies Shame Nation? No, no, I
2: don't, I don't, I don't, I don't drink. <laughs> no, I don't drink. No, I just, I just think that you know what? If everyone just starts pausing, I mean, I just say everyone likes to say "think before you post." I say pause because with a pause, you actually stop and, and right, check in reflection. with yourself. Yeah. reflection, right? Because, you know, if you're like me, very ADHD, we can do two or three things at once while we're thinking. But if you stop, check in with yourself, because that post is forever. Yes. And never air your workplace woes. That's another story in there about the school teachers. You hear about that high school teacher? Yes, that, yes, that was a good one. You gotta read the book order your the book lawyers actually
1: we actually read your social media surprise surprise yeah well, i want yeah. to i want to thank you very much it's your, your book is very important it's a great thank tool you. to educate people one about the problem of what's going on and two about how they can help and protect themselves so thanks again and best of luck to you on the book tour thank you um, thank you as, and as you know, I, I, I practice in this area. I represent victims of cyber harassment, so it's always great to see people calling attention to this area. And you can learn more about our practice at internetlawcenter.net. We'll be here next week talking to Eric Goldman. And if you're in, going to be at the um, IP Institute in Newport Beach, hope to see you there. Please say hi. And follow us on Twitter at CyberlawRadio. Sue, so thanks again. Have a great oh, week, everyone. And thank you. And um, well, until then... Um, This is Ben and Kelly with Cyberlaw and Business Report from Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks again, everyone.
0: The opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.